Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Ego Chow podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and it's been a minute. We haven't done an episode in probably nearly a month uh, but we're back. We're, we're ready for the Pro-Am Classic which kicks off this weekend in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, some of the top uh, challengers teams they will be um, playing against the uh, 12 CDL teams. Uh, and we also have some roster media news that we have to cover. Um, that'll probably be the bulk of this episode, just based on like we don't really cover the challenger scene super in depth. Um, but you know, we know some of the teams, some of the players, and uh, you know, we'll try to preview it later in the show. But most of the show will be about roster mania. Uh, we also have some map changes, we have one more map being added to the CDL rotation. So uh, we'll get to see an additional control map uh, this weekend. Um, we also have some uh, GAs, which is always fun to talk about. Definitely not excessive at all. Um, but before we get into that, how you doing, Bink? I'm doing well. Yankees won their 11th straight. Just talking to you about the other teams. So it uh, could be a good night in the Binkowski household for the sports fandom. And uh, good to be back here, ready to talk more COD. How, how many wins in a row is that for the Yanks? 11. 11 wins in a row. Um, I mean, that's pretty good. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I would definitely be rooting against the Yankees when it comes to the playoffs. But I'll, I'll tune in in October when it actually matters. Um, but it actually matters now for the CDL. I mean, uh, for these challengers teams, let's talk about the Pro-Am Classic. Uh, so the top four challengers uh, teams from the Minnesota Challenger Open, which was, uh, I think, end of March, beginning of April, uh, so the four teams from the Challengers Open, they qualified for this Pro-Am Classic, which will take place in Columbus, Ohio without fans. Uh, but those four teams will battle the top 12 CDL teams. And uh, this is really the first tournament in the CDL's history that is like more geared toward the old format where you have four, uh, four team groups and then uh, the top teams from those groups then move into a bracket. Uh, I believe that this bracket is a single elimination, um, not a double elimination like people uh, really wanted. But um, we're also going to have four streams, which was something that uh, the CDL general manager, Daniel Say, he announced. I guess he didn't really announce it. He just kind of replied to it uh, on Twitter. He just kind of mentioned that they were going to do an Alpha, a Bravo, a Charlie, and a Delta stream because they're going to have uh, multiple matches going on simultaneously. So there's going to be a lot going on. Um, are you, like what's, what's your thoughts on the Pro-Am Classic uh, just in general before we hop into the Roster Mania stuff? Like, what, do you think it's a, a good idea for the CDL? Like, what would you like to see um, the CDL do differently uh, in regards to, like, the format or the frequency or whatever? Yeah, I, I think it's a cool idea. Um, obviously, you know, you and I have, you know, at least somewhat of a background in, like, traditional sports and mm -hmm. one thing that's always talked about when there's a really good team in like a lower division such as like college football with Alabama and there's like a really bad team in the NFL like the Browns like you always get those people saying oh Alabama could beat the Browns all you mean the yada, Jaguars yada. well I'm, I'm using an old example <laughs> um but um yeah like that that's kind of what you you would like maybe think would come from this event but that's not really what it is at this stage just because you know since Call of Duty is so much different, there's always going to be like, well, not always, but in this case, there is an example of like a former world champion being an amateur for this event. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a good idea in, uh, you know, in practice or in theory. Um, will be really cool to see how it plays out and stuff like that. I'm excited, like you said, for the four streams. Um, some people don't really like that, and I know it can be kind of a pain when you're trying to cover four matches at once, but uh, it does bring me back to the good old days of uh, even the CWL and before that where, you know, you had to have four multi-twitches up and, you know, watching yeah. all the games at once, trying to record the scores and all that stuff. So um, I'm excited for it. I, th I think that there will inevitably be stuff that can be improved upon this, mm -hmm. um, however it goes. I'm, I'm you know, expecting it to... Uh, go well, and there there should be some interesting matches in it. But um, yeah, I'm not gonna. Obviously, it doesn't count for the CDL regular season. It's just like a one-off tournament. So um, there's not too much weight going behind this, besides like the money and prize pool. So um, I I think you know we, it's been a while since we've actually had some CDL action. Some people um, arguing, you know, whether this was too long the midseason break and all that, but um, it's over now, and this weekend we have some action. Then the following week we'll get back into those online qualifiers heading into Major 3, so um, we're officially entering the second half of the Vanguard season. Uh, one of the teams that is attending the Pro-Am Classic is the Minnesota Rocker. Uh, they are one of the 12 CDL teams, obviously, and uh, they announced on April 13th that they were going to conduct trials uh, with their roster and select challengers players. And uh, I, I guess they said other pro players, but I don't really know how that works. I don't know if they were, you know, using substitutes of other teams like in trials, but um, essentially they were just saying that they were going to kind of move players in and out of the rosters and like scrims, try to see what was going to work and what was not going to work. Um, so they announced that on April 13th and they eventually settled on Havoc, uh, who we talked about a little bit, uh, maybe a month, month and a half ago on this podcast. Uh, he was a part of the Texas nation roster that has, uh, dot that dominated most of the the beginning of the challenger season in North America, but his team did not make it to the pro-am classic. Did they did not finish in the top four of that Minnesota challengers open? So they didn't qualify for this event. Uh, so that team is kind of split up. Havoc is now, um, in the Minnesota rocker starting lineup and major maniac who was previously benched last year when Standy came into the lineup, um, and made his rookie debut, uh, Major Maniac uh, got benched then. Then he came back about a month or two later for accuracy. And uh, they obviously had a, a pretty good end to the season. They won uh, a major, you know, one of the craziest comebacks in CDL or in Call of Duty history. Uh, and they, I believe they finished like fourth at uh, Champs. So that's a, a pretty good finish for them. Uh, they just haven't been able to click. They've been not not too bad they're not you know bottoming out uh, or anything but they are middle of the road and that's one of those uh spots that um, a lot of teams get uncomfortable with especially with minnesota they didn't change their roster coming into this season they were one of the few teams that decided to keep their their four-man roster and just um from last season to this season and it, it just doesn't seem like it's uh, worked out, but um, so Major Maniac he will go to uh, the bench uh, for Minnesota, and the Rocker bringing in Havoc. Uh, I I want to get your thoughts on this because we talked about it when Havoc put out his twit longer about why he did not join the New York Subliners roster when Clayster was inevitably benched. 
um, for Paul X. Uh, and, you know, he talked about like how he was, uh, you know, he didn't feel comfortable with what was going on and he wanted Clayster in the lineup and there were some problems with Crim Six or like he felt like they wouldn't work together, et cetera. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts. Uh, what do you think about Havoc coming in for Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, even further back before the situation there with, um, like, Havoc potentially going to New York or whatever, um, earlier in the season when he was still a part of Mutineers, he um, made it, like, explicitly clear that he was leaving on his own terms or, you know, mutual terms. Um, he wasn't dropped and he didn't decide to stay signed yeah. to the Mutineers. He decided to part ways so that he could continue to live in Texas. I believe the mutineers all live in Florida. Um, so he that's what he tweeted on November 5th. I'm choosing to stay in Texas to become the best challenger player and get back in the league on my own terms. They're choosing to cut me because of this decision. I'm completely confident that betting on myself will pay off. I'll earn my spot back again like I've always done. And, you know, that was what? Now we're in May. So almost seven months ago, tweeted mm -hmm. that. And uh, it, it came true here. Um, so I, I've always... Um, enjoyed watching Havoc plays, you know, dating back to when he was grinding 1v1 GB streams uh, early in the morning back in IW and stuff like that. He, I've always thought he, he's been a, he's obviously a smart S&D player. He's just always had the potential. Um, and he, he's been in some tough situations and whether it's, you know, no, no matter what, um, kind of situation he's been in he, he's always seemed to bounce back as exemplified here um so i'm happy for him it's a it's a tough situation for major maniac though like you said second time being benched now by um the rocker and obviously he was not too happy about it and, and himself he tweeted uh, i not only feel disrespected but let down by those around me so um, we'll be interested to see what kind of bounce back we get from him in the long term. But uh, for now, this this is an interesting rocker lineup. I think, you know, without knowing too much of the situation with the trials, it, it seemed like um, Attach and Standy weren't really going to be, like, the players to go. Obviously, I could just be completely wrong here, but just from, yeah. like, an outside perspective, like, Attach has been a super solid player, both on SMG and in AR this year, you know, solid veteran, um, basically the franchise guy at this point, and then Standy's that young gun pickup from last year, so I, I feel like they wouldn't have gotten rid of either of them unless something drastic happened, so it kind of fell down to being between Priest and Major Maniac, and they decided to go um, down the road of benching Major Maniac, so I believe... Oh, there was a clip Priest that tweeted, and I can't remember what he said now. Um, but re regardless of who's the main AR and who's the flex, it'll be Attach and Priest on the ARs and Standy and Havoc on um, the subs. So that that's an interesting sub duo. We, you know, as noted, Havoc's seen a lot of success in Challengers this year since that. Um, move off Florida, so it'll be interesting to see he's able to carry that back up into his return to the CDL. Yeah, in, in regards to the the roster move and Major Maniac going to the bench um, and have it coming in, I think that it. I don't know if if I said this on the podcast, but it felt the most likely that Major Maniac would be going to the bench out of those four. Uh, you know, attach. Uh, Priesta and Standy and him because 
they've already done it once. I think it's a lot easier to bench a player, you know, if you've already uh, if you've already done it in the past, even if it was a year ago. But they have the the same coaching staff. Saints still the head coach, and I think uh, it's a lot easier to do it again. Um, so I, I mean, I I empathize with Major Maniac and you know him feeling disrespected because the, I feel like that's how most you know, Call of Duty players or, or just athletes in general, you know, getting benched or getting released or getting traded by a team that would, you know, obviously I think it would, for most people, you would feel disrespected in that position because you would feel that you're better than your, your teammate or you're better than your replacement, etc. Uh, so uh, I empathize with him on that. And I hope that we get to see him back in a, in a CDL starting roster um, I, you know, it, it might happen. There's quite a bit left in the season, a whole half of the season to go. And, uh, you don't really know how it'll shake out for every, of the, uh, every one of these CDL teams. But, uh, I do empathize with him on that. As for Havoc, I'm really happy for him because, uh, you know, we talked about it on the podcast when he, he said that he turned down New York and people called him stupid. Like there's no, like, why would you turn down a CDL team? Blah, blah, blah. And like, that's, I mean, you got to bet on yourself. You, you don't want to get into a situation that you're not comfortable in, especially if this could be one of your, your last times getting into the CDL because he has been benched before he has been released. Like you said, he, he decided not to move into move back to Florida and decide to stick with, um, you know, living in Texas and everything. So I, I think that he made the smart move. It, you know, I think it's a smart move for anybody if they don't feel comfortable in that situation. They gotta, you know, find where they are comfortable, and I and I hope that they have success in Minnesota and he, uh, him specifically, because I mean he's he's a veteran. Like it, it feels weird because I still think of Havoc as you know like the 19, 20 year old guy from uh, Black Ops Three, kind of wall running and stuff, and uh, it, it, like it. It, it feels like that, but he's been in the, you know, the CDL, the CWL, he's been around the pro scene for half a decade, pretty much. So like, it's, uh, it's good to see him back in, in the pro, in the CDL. And I hope that he can, he can do well, um, moving forward with the rocker. I, I will just point out real quick too. Um, I, I feel like obviously don't want to put words in major maniac's mouth, but, um, I feel, you know, just based on their history, unless there's some bad blood we don't know about, Major Maniac and Havoc were a part of that uh, team space team back in Black Ops 4 that, like, you know, went from unsigned to making the league or whatever and getting to bring in a huge organization like Gen G into the yeah. CWL, although it was, you know, like, not long-lived or anything like that. Um, they, they still, they have history being teammates together and stuff like that, and that's a pretty cool story, too. So, um, I don't, I, this is an assumption, but I would assume there isn't any bad blood between like Havoc yeah. and Major Maniac over this, but you never know. Um, I really just feel like it's going to be like, um, we saw earlier in the year when ASIM just like went all, it was against New York. This Was it against New York or was it against Minnesota? I don't remember, but you, you see it, it all the time. New York. Players, yeah. When, when you see players play against their former teams and stuff and, um, get hyped and you, we get some Twitter drama and stuff after the matches that that's something we can look forward to if and when uh, major media finds himself back in the league uh so havoc he was on that texas nation roster and so was kismet 
Uh, Kismet was previously on the Paris Legion in 2020. Um, you know, they didn't have a great deal of success, but I guess more success than Paris has had since. So um, take that as you will. But, uh, you know, Crone is reporting that Kismet is uh, has joined the New York Subliners roster um, and that he will replace Neptune in the starting lineup. And we've already seen Neptune, um, you know, join and like leave and rejoin some challengers rosters. So um, I think it's, you know, pretty much set that he's in the in challengers again. Um, and uh, Kismet is going to be in the CDL again. Uh you know, what do you think of this? Because this was actually something that Havoc brought up. He wanted uh, when, so this was a month and a half ago, I believe. And uh, there were rumors that New York was trying to change up their roster when they were, you know, just putrid. They, they barely could win any maps. I believe they hadn't won a hard point at that point in the season. Uh, and it was decided then that uh, they wanted Havoc, uh, New York did, and Havoc was like, I'm open to this, but I need Kismet because Kismet, you know, knows the system that we have with Texas Nation. It would be a lot easier transition for us and we can kind of hit the ground running, so to speak, with another one of my teammates to to kind of soften the landing. It's not as big of a transition as if I'm coming into a, a you know, a, a team of three, essentially. And I guess New York balked at that. They decided not to do that at the time and brought in Paul X instead. And now you have Kismet um, without Havoc uh, reportedly going to the New York, New York subliners, according to uh, Crone. Um, so you can check that out at dot, .esports.com. Uh, what do you think about this? Um, Kismet has... I mean, he wasn't a star player by any means when he was on Paris. He's he's a glue guy essentially. He's a he's a good team player, and they're they've had a lot of success with Texas Nation this season, uh, regardless of their their uh, final placing in the 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 recent Challengers Open. So, what do you think about Kismet joining the Subliners? I like it. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see how exactly it works out because kind of like you said. Um, he's, he's more the role player and he, he obviously can have his pop off moments and stuff like that. But, um, when he's, you know, reportedly or presumably going to be the sub duo with Hydra there, he doesn't really have to have those pop off moments. He's, he's going to be the guy trying to set Hydra up for success, or at least he should be. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see how that works out. It's, it feels like that's just, you know, we, we've seen Neptune, um, and royalty in there trying to run a sub alongside Hydra and it hasn't really worked out for them too well aside yeah. from a couple of those like online matches towards the end of stage two qualifiers or major two qualifiers um so I'll, I'll be interested to see if Kismet is officially announced how that works out um I've liked Kismet in the past as a player he's one of those guys who isn't afraid to talk shit and he gets really excited and hyped up so um that's one of the types of players that I really like to watch and I think it's entertaining. So I'll be excited to see him back in the league if that is confirmed. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting thing uh, that's going on. And I should mention that New York was also doing trials. They announced shortly after Minnesota announced their own trials that, um, you know, subliner said, okay, we're going to do our, our own trials here. Um, they said that uh, this was their statement on April 16th. 
This midseason break gives us time to reevaluate ourselves as major three approaches. Starting today, we're going to be committed to open trials involving our current roster and new players. There will be an assessment of individual performance and in-game synergy among players to determine the best fit going forward. Thank you to all who support us through thick and thin. More details on our rosters. Open trials come to a conclusion. And, you know, I... With these trials, like, I don't really know how exactly they're being set up. I'm not... Because, you know, not, not, uh, these two teams that did the trials, Minnesota and New York, they're not giving a lot of information about how it's how it's going, who they are trial, trialing and, and stuff. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know how legitimate they are, like in the sense like how how big of a pool of players are you are you trialing? Um, but it, it just seemed like Kismet and Havoc were very early on relatively like they were the front runners for replacements for Minnesota and in New York respectively. So, um, I mean, it's interesting. I think that the trials have a place in call of duty, but it, it's not as easy as like a, an open tryout for like football because, it really sometimes does come down to like, all right, like if you have an open tryout for a wide receiver, I mean, the wide receiver doesn't necessarily have to interact with a ton of his teammates like in a given play. He might have to, you know, run a route. He might have to block or something. But with Call of Duty, like it's a lot of teamwork, like a lot of communication, um, a lot of strategy, and and then there is individual performance on top of that. So uh, I don't know if trials have like a big place in call of duty just with the the way that esports is it's just incredibly team-based and even if you put like one of the more talented players on a roster he might not click with that team so i'm not really sure about trials what do you think about trials because like you said we come from like an um you know traditional sports background you know football basketball and open tryouts are just like or the preseason where, you know, the NFL preseason, for example, you have 90, 100 players or whatever, and they have to widow it down to 53 players by the regular season start. Like, what do you think about trials in Call of Duty? Yeah, I just, I, I don't really know how I feel about them, to be honest, just because it really hasn't been a thing until now recently. Um, I feel like, though, that it's something that we might see Assuming everything goes well in the CDL, something we might see more frequently much later down the road in several years. And I think it would be something that works better in a system where you have your franchise team and you have an academy team or like your minor league team. Yeah. And you trial with the players on that team, plugging and playing some guys in to see how they work with the main squad, just because then those players are more, you know, more acclimated to whatever system you're trying to use um as opposed to just like some random who has never played with any of those guys in particular on the lineup you're trialing at that time um again that's that's very limited knowledge on my part of what exactly the trial system looks like at this current stage in the cdl um Mm -hmm. it's it's certainly it if it worked in all like if it was you know 
serious trials and multiple players were getting an opportunity. That's something that certainly interests me. Obviously, we didn't really hear much about that. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're calling it trials and, like, we'll just use Havoc as an example. If Minnesota says they're doing trials and then they only try Havoc out, like, that's not really trials. That's just what's been going on in Call of Duty for years where you think you might pick somebody up and then you give them a shot and go from yeah. there. Um, not saying that's what happened. I, I don't know what happened, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Trials is an interesting idea. I would love to, you know, maybe hear more about it, exactly how it went down and all that stuff, and then I would probably be able to give a better take or opinion on what I think about it. But um, in its infancy, I, I don't really know. I think we'll see probably a little bit more of it. Maybe in the off season, it would work more because you have an extended period of time and there, you know, there are a lot of players that are not under contract and you might be able to bring in a lot of players. But uh, I also don't think that a lot of these teams are going to be open to it. A lot of the players are going to be incredibly open to the idea of trials. And like, you know, one day you're playing with these three guys and the next day you're playing with an entirely different three guys. And it, it could, you know, you a lot of it has to do with like building that chemistry and becoming a cohesive unit and if you're playing with different people all the time you don't really always get that so I I think that um, trials maybe in a different form maybe not in the the way that we're currently thinking of or the way that maybe they're being done right now but I think that there could be a chance that they um, that trials are something that the CDL teams do in the future but right now I'm not seeing like a huge future for it um, let's get to the and LA th- oh, what do you say I was just gonna throw in real quick the only problem with like potentially doing trials in the offseason is the you know right now the the changing cycle of the game every year um, if they get away from that yearly, yearly release cycle which has been potentially reported as happening next year with Modern Warfare 2 then maybe we would see that in like the following off season, not this off season, the 2023 off season, but like this next year, you're not going to, most teams are signing players before the game comes out. And then you're not going to do trials on Vanguard when MW2 is coming out. And you're probably not going to do trials on Modern Warfare in 2019. Uh, so it's tough in that regard. Um, that's all I wanted to say. And then also there was, it reminded me of uh, Zinni and Ace were talking about it on the flank and, uh, Zinni was saying, like, he didn't want to scrim these trial teams when it was happening. And just because, you know, he's, like, saying, like, how much of a competitor is. But at the same time, like, if he doesn't think one of the trial lineups is good, he's going to let them just absolutely just hork on him. And, like, he'll go, like, quadruple negative so that the other team thinks they're making a good change. When in reality, he thinks it's a negative change. And then, like, they're, like, the other team yeah. seeing this guy going quadruple positive, like, oh, my God, got to pick this guy up. Uh, and Aches was saying something like he had done that in the past. So it was it was a funny interaction. But, uh, yeah, we don't have to talk on it too much, but that was just something I was reminded of, and I thought it was funny. So definitely, but, like you said, Trials is a young thing and a relatively new thing in the CDL, and it'll be interesting to see if it develops or how it develops. Yeah, that's just gamesmanship. Like, you're just trying to get the advantage on teams, and however you have to do it, you do it. Um, let's get to the LA Thieves because they have changed roles uh, heading into the Pro-Am Classic. Kenny is now a submachine gun player and Draza is now a flex. So this has been, I don't, like, I feel like this is every single year with Kenny's teams that during the season they have to do a role swap because he's, 
I don't know if he's equally talented on, you know, sub and AR, but he has the ability to do both. He's versatile in that in that sense. Uh, and I believe that he just likes running an AR more. And I think that's what it comes down to a lot of times is like, he might be even better with the submachine gun, but he's just like, I don't like playing that role or I, I, I maybe just prefer being an AR player. And I, I guess that the thieves are like, well, maybe you should play SMG anyway, because this team, they, they massively underperformed, um, you know, in that second stage or second round of qualifying matches, they were one of the worst teams in that round of qualifying matches. Um, they salvaged a little bit during the uh, second major, but they they just weren't looking like themselves. We even talked about maybe that a roster change could be coming or a, a coaching change in the staff or something. Um, but they decided to go with this role swap. Uh, what do you think of this uh, with Kenny going to the sub and Draza going to flex? I think this has to be, you know, the last straw really yeah. for them. Um, if this doesn't work out, like they they almost have to make a roster change in my opinion. Yep. Um, but I think it was either in the zero to a hundred, uh, hundred thieves documentary or in Octane's video on the change. I can't remember which one. Um, but somebody was explaining like the rationale behind this change and it kind of made a little sense to me um i think it might have been in the octane video just thinking back on it now but like they were saying whoever was talking about it was essentially saying that like octane and kenny are more of the vocal players on the team and having them both be on the ar might have made communication a little bit because they didn't have sense. either of them like in the front line as a sub mm -hmm. um so i don't know like, I feel like Envoy, maybe he was more forced onto that role when he was on uh, Optic Chicago just because of the makeup of the team. But I, I feel like Envoy's communication has been, um, you know, just based on, like, the limited listen-ins and stuff. I, I feel like he, communication has been one of his strongest assets. Um, but maybe something has changed or maybe that's just a bad judgment on my part. But um, regardless, if, if that's the reasoning and everything like that, then uh, potentially Kenny moving to a sub makes a little bit more sense. He's able to, you know, be more of a shot caller, um, take care of business on the front lines while Octane's behind him. Um, this was something, though, that we talked about all the way back when this roster was formed that, um, something I liked about this team was they just had the flexibility to do something like this. Um, before Vanguard was even released, we didn't know what the meta would look like, but if it was a three sub meta, we could see, you know, and obviously, you know, a map like Bokage, we do three, see three subs anyway, but um, in a three sub meta, this team had the flexibility to have Kenny and Draza both on subs. On a three AR map, they have the potential to have Kenny and Draza both on AR, so. Um, this is something I thought would be an asset for the team. It, it seemed like early in the season when they were playing well on hard point, um, you know, maybe that was the case, but things just haven't been working out for them lately. And LAT fans expect better than, you know, just what the team's been giving them. So I feel like if they struggle out of the gate here um, at the major three qualifiers, we might see a change. I believe Pentagram is signed as their sub. He is. I don't know if he would be like a really good answer or anything like that. So maybe they look outside the organization, but um, you know, <laughs> just based on last year, we know that these aren't, you know, shy about making changes. So I think well, we'll, we'll see how they do with this role swap, but 
things don't work out, we could be looking at a change for them uh, in the coming weeks. To illustrate just how poorly they played recently, so they started the season winning six of their first eight matches. They lost their opening match to Atlanta Phase. I mean, that's pretty expected for most teams. Yeah. Uh, they won four straight, then they lost a 3 2 uh, match to the Toronto Ultra at the first major. Um, and then they, they won two matches in the loser's bracket before losing to FaZe in Game 5 again, which was reverse sweep, if if you remember correctly. And I believe, um, you know, uh, FaZe, you know, they they were not looking great at the time, and they were still able to pull out that reverse sweep. Uh, since then, the Thieves have lost six of their last seven. So they lost all five of their qualifying matches. Uh, they lost to London. They lost to Optic. Like a lot of these are three-two losses, mind you. So they lost a five-game series to Optic, Minnesota, LAG, and then they lost again to Optic in the second major, with their only win being a, a five-game win over New York, who is you know like even with Paul X, they're one of the worst teams like in the major at least. They were one of the worst teams. They could barely win hard points. Uh, so it wasn't that big of a surprise that the Thieves won. So I would, I, I think it's really surprising that they are seven and nine right now, and they're in a, a precarious position in terms of the standings. They're in sixth place. They're in a tie for sixth place, a three-way tie uh, with Florida and Seattle. So they're only ten points ahead of ninth place right now, which is Toronto, who has their fair share, uh, their fair share of problems right now. I, I think that a roster change could be coming, but I hope that for these players' sake that they're able to get something going with this these role swaps and just trying to figure it out because they started off really hot. They looked like one of the four or five best teams in the league. And even now that they're in sixth place, I wouldn't say that they're the sixth best team in the league from what we've been seeing from them like the past month or whatever of matches. Because I would say that Florida has looked better than them. I've, I'd say that Seattle has looked better than them. So I would say that they're probably like the eighth best team currently in the league just based off of their uh, their most recent performances. So they have to figure it out. Um, try to, I think S&D has been their issue recently, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and obviously losing back-to-back -back reverse sweeps to get knocked out of the majors. Like they, they got reverse swept by... Uh, phase in the first major and I'm pretty sure optic reverse swept them as well in the second major so I think that's a that's a major issue that's I think that's fixable but I'm not sure how to fix it in this case and um, you know I don't know if a roster change is necessary if that's if that's the way to resolve the issues that they they currently have um, anything you have on LAT before we move on to our next so like, let's go to LAG. We're going to stay in the Los Angeles area. Um, Spart, he is going to stay in the starting roster for the Los Angeles Gorillas. As Gunless, uh, he had surgery uh, recently. Um, if you remember, he uh, he was benched, I guess. He was subbed out in the last week of qualifying matches uh, before Major 2 um, due to illness. And he elaborated a little bit on uh what was going on with him which was you know he had uh these stomach ulcers and uh some like 
internal issues that he was treating with medicine, but the medicine was also giving him some pretty severe side effects and it was affecting his day-to-day -day life, which led him to be subbed out for Spart. Uh, Spart comes in the last week qualifying matches. Um, you know, they don't have a great uh, time in their optic match. Then they go to the first or the uh, second major and at the second major LAG pull off one of the greatest loser bracket runs in Call of Duty history. They win the major. Uh, they win the first, you know, tournament for LAG uh, since the CDL started. And people are talking about, all right, who who gets that fourth spot? Is it going to be Gunless? Is it going to be Spart going into the Pro Am Classic? Is or and into the the third set of qualifying matches um, with Gunless uh, recovering from surgery. It looks like it's going to be Spart for the foreseeable future, um, and uh, we, you know, I would just want to say that we uh, obviously wish Pierce the the best of luck and his road on uh, recovery because, I mean, he's uh, he seems like an awesome dude. He's one of the best, uh, you know, Call of Duty players, and uh, you know, we we wish him the best. Um, as for LAG, they uh, they're gonna rock with Spart, which you know they they had no bad options in my opinion because. Uh, Gunless and LAG seemed like they might have been hitting a groove uh, when he had to be subbed out and obviously Spart and uh, this LAG iteration has been really good based on their major two performance. Um, what do you think of Spart staying in the roster? Yeah, I mean, first off, like you said, shout out Big P. Hope everything goes well for Gunless and, you know, wishing you a speedy, healthy recovery, all that. Um but yeah, like th this was in my eyes heading into, you know, probably in our last episode, we were talking about it. Um, th this was like the big change in my eyes that could have set off roster mania, whether LAG decided to add gunless back to the lineup and keep Spart in or, and, you know, move on from Spart or keep him on the bench, all that. Um, obviously it doesn't come down to that due to uh, gunless's health situation. So it doesn't seem like at this time he's going to be competing at all. Um, you know, just trying to recover, do whatever he has to do to get back to full strength. Um, obviously, just due to how talented he is, I hope we see him back. Um, if not with LAG, just with any team before uh, the season ends. But certainly, um, if, you know, things don't go well or whatever the recovery timetable is, I, I certainly hope at least by the start of the next season that, uh, Big P is back out there competing, doing his thing. But for Spart, this is the opportunity now. He He's really, um, you know, opened a lot of eyes in the community and established himself now just based on this one incredible loser's bracket run. And uh, he, he's going to have to try. Obviously, it's it's hard, a tough act to follow, but he, he's going to have to do what he can to uh, show that he belongs and that he can continue to uh, compete at this level so um with the i think it's official but i don't know if it's official the volk potentially being ga'd um will be interesting to see how that affects lag not saying that um the volk is like the only reason lag was successful or anything like that but it was a major part of the reason why they were able to uh, come away with the victory. So um, we'll, we'll have to see how they, this, it's the same lineup we saw at the major, just uh, potentially a slightly different meta for them in that regard. So um, they still won, what was it, 10 searches in a row they won, or did they get up to 11? I don't even remember. 
I'm not really sure, but they won a lot. They, they and... won, yeah, they won a lot of searches in a row. So no matter what gun you're using, like if you, if you have the potential to do that, you, you're a good team. And um, yeah, I'm just going to be excited to see how LAG, um, if they're able to build off of their success at Major 2, um, not going to take too much away if like they come out here at the kickoff classic and struggle. But um, especially once we get to those stage three, uh, qualifiers will be interesting to see how Spart and the rest of the team uh, build off that last victory. Yeah, I, I remember tweeting about LAG and kind of their stats, um, you know, with Gunless compared to their stats with Spart. And uh, here it is. So LAG with Gunless. So they had 11 matches. They were five and six in those matches. Uh, 11 and seven in hardpoint, six and nine in search and destroy, and four and seven in control. LAG was Spart. Uh, they only had eight matches, so a smaller sample size. But they were six and seven in hardpoint, ten and three in search, and four and five in control. They're like they weren't much different. They're actually worse in hardpoint with Spart than they were with Gunless. But that search and destroy number is just ridiculous, and it's pretty much the reason why they were able to win. Uh, this made this past major because they were the best search and destroy team at the tournament and we talked about it before search and destroy wins championships it's a major part of teams um, you know like phase last year they were a very good search and destroy team they were good at everything but search and destroy you know they weren't going to let that slip because that you know if all else fails if your respawn's just not clicking like you you probably can squeak out one respawn victory and pick up two search and destroy uh, wins. So, you know, in LAG's case, that's kind of how they did it. They weren't, you know, incredible in hard point and control, but they, they found a groove in search and destroy and they were able to exploit that throughout the entire tournament. Um, so if they're able to continue to do that, like it's going to be tough for them. Their fans are probably going to be on the edge of their seats because that probably means there's going to be quite a bit of game fives. But once it gets to game five, if they continue this 10 and three, you know, that, that trend, like they're going to win like almost all of their game fives at that rate. So uh, I think that LAG, if they can continue to play uh, so strong in arguably the most important game mode, uh, you know, they probably will have a lot more success as the season continues from here. Um, it, let's go on to London. So this was actually more recent than uh, most of these other things. Uh, so Gizmo announced, I believe yesterday, or yeah, yesterday he announced that he was uh, going back home to deal with personal issues. Uh, he did this, I believe, in March as well. Um, he, he went back for like one week of qualifying matches. Uh, he had to step aside, and that's when Paul X um, was able to stand in, and then Paul X then got signed to New York uh, so, soon after. So Gizmo, he said that he's um, he's got to deal with his mental health stuff. He's got to deal with personal issues. So he's going back to Europe, and uh, Harry, who has been their substitute, uh, the London Royal Raven substitute, he will be stepping in as a starter for the team uh, for the foreseeable future, and Gizmo will remain on the team as a substitute. Um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, same thing uh, to Gunless, but uh, Gizmo, like, we're wishing you the best, man. Hope that you're able to pull through this, and we hope to see him in the CDL um, sooner rather than later, but, you know, whenever he's ready to come back. Uh, this is a really interesting situation for London. Um, they 
they're one of the best teams in the league, uh, at least with the starting roster with Gizmo in here. So we'll see if Harry has, uh, you know, can keep that that momentum going for London. But um, yeah, definitely one of the better teams in the league. Uh, what are your thoughts on Harry coming into uh, the Royal Ravens starting roster? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the most important thing is uh, Gizmo. Hoping everything goes well with him, he's able to get everything situated over there. Um, but honestly, I, I don't know anything about Harry, really, so uh, it's tough for me to say here. I, I mean, coming into this season, I had heard of Nasty, obviously, because um, he was potentially going to be one of the substitutes for um, London and then Visa Issues or whatever. He didn't actually get to play, so I had heard yeah. of Nasty, but I never really heard of Gizmo. And coming into the season... Um, once the season started, rather, he, he was, you know, one of the best rookies in the league, if not the best, based on initial performances. Yep. And obviously he had, you know, dealing with mental health issues and uh, whatever's going on with his family, stuff like that, just personal stuff. It, it obviously, you know, he, he didn't actually say it, but it certainly seemed like it was affecting his performance just based on looking at the stats based on the beginning of the year to what we've seen more recently. So, um you don't really know what to expect from Harry or London with this change. We'll just have to see. Uh, the only other thing worth mentioning here is that Harry was a part of the Ultra Academy EU squad. That is mm -hmm. one of the four teams competing in this premium classic. So they also had to uh, pick up a sub. They picked up Rafi. Again, don't really know anything about him. But um, that amateur team had to make a change, a corresponding move to um, fill in the spot because of Harry having to go into London's starting lineup. So we'll be seeing, not only will we be seeing multiple new CDL lineups at this event, but we're even going to see one of the challenger squads switch things up as a result too. Uh, Optic Texas will also have to switch up their roster a little bit for Pro-Am Classic. Uh, Illy will be stepping aside uh, due to a thumb injury. And General, who has been the Optic substitute for a few years, I believe he's going to step in. He's going to, he's going to start in place of Illy for the program classic. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not sure, really sure what to expect, but general has been on, he was on Texas nation with havoc and kismet. And, um, they were one of the best teams in the North American challenger scene. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see uh, him get this shot. Obviously he's, uh, from Enigma Six, that's what he's most known for. But um, really good player, and he's he's been on this uh, Optic team, I believe, even when they were in the Chicago Huntsman, he was their substitute as well. Uh, but you know, it should be an interesting uh, dynamic because Optic, you know, if you looked at the betting odds, Optic was the favorite uh, before this, you know, injury stuff with Illy. Um, I don't think that they're still the favorite. I would probably say that Phase is the favorite um, at this point, but. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I hope that Illy recovers and he's able to you know come back really soon. Uh, but a, an interesting spot for General. Um, I I didn't end up watching this optic video uh, from Rando, Rambo, so I don't know if you did. So I, I don't think that they said anything big because I th feel like it would have gotten aggregated. Uh, but you know, we wish Illy the best. Uh, you have any comments on the Illy situation and General filling yeah, in for him? It was just a short video. They were saying something, uh, like you mentioned, about his thumb. Rambo said it wasn't like a cyst. Um, so it wasn't, it, it doesn't sound like it's something like uh, what Zuma went through earlier in his career. Um, it just sounds like there, there's like some infection or something on his thumb that they got to get taken care of. But um, it sounds like this is like, it, 
without putting words in Rambo's mouth. It sounds like he could have played if, like, you know, this was the regular season or something like that, but they, it's more or less they want to give him the extra week uh, to recover and get right before the Stage 3 uh, qualifiers start, which, you know, in all honesty, that's what really matters, not this uh, Pro-Am Classic. So I'm um, hoping everything goes all right for Illy there. Um, not going to have to, I mean... <laughs> Last time I said I'm not going to have too high of expectations for a team going into an event with a sub that was LAG, and uh, they ended up winning the whole thing. So maybe Optic Texas is going to win uh, the Pro-Am Classic with General. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, he, he's really more of a main AR player, and that's, you know, more of Dashie's role. So there might be some issues there. But I think since this isn't a regular season event or anything like this, Optic Texas is – they're, they're obviously going to try to win, but they'll probably be looking at it more like practice and uh, maybe experimenting with their map pool or something like that and getting ready for the second half of the real deal. Yeah. Um, and also Atlanta phase, they're going to, um, they've already swapped roles. So Arsity, uh, is moving to flex. Selim is now the main AR for the Atlanta phase, um, which is an interesting thing because I just like, when I think of Arsties, I think of AR player and Selim, I, you know, he's he's ridiculously good. So is Arsties, but I just think of Selim, like, able to do it all. So it's an interesting move. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm i interested just to see how it works out because Atlanta has been so good for the past, you know, two years. And uh, to see them swap roles, uh, I mean, maybe they, they really think that Selim could add something else to the AR role and Arsties maybe a little... Um, he can do a little more with this flex. Um, you know, do you have any th thoughts on the role swap going into the Pro-Am Classic? I'm going to just be interested in in general to see how this actually affects the team. Mm -hmm. um, throughout this season, Atlanta has been one of the few teams that has actually, for the most part, it seems to me at least, they, they've been running two ARs on like a Bokage hardpoint, which almost every other team runs three subs. Um, so even in that regard, like if Arsides is the quote unquote flex now, like there's still the potential for him to be running an AR on a lot of the maps. And even if, um, you know, a map like Tuscan or something, maybe he pulls out a sub for like one or two hills and he's using an AR for the rest of the hills. Um, I'll just, yeah, I'll be interested to see how this actually shakes up and, you know, Maybe it was a situation where, like, with Celium on the quote-unquote flex, he didn't want to use that third sub on Bokage and was leaning towards an AR. And now with Arsides as a quote-unquote flex, maybe he'll be more, like, he'll want to use a sub on Bokage. I don't really know. Um, but that's what I'll be looking out for with Atlanta. Obviously, um, if they want to make, well, obviously they made the change, but like if they want to make a change like this, this is a good time to experiment it with it, in my opinion, because, you know, they had a little break and um, they're not jumping right into like the regular season with it. They have this like kind of little buffer here with the Proium Classic that gives them mm -hmm. a window of opportunity to see how things go and they can experiment a little. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how much it'll really change things for Atlanta, but that's what I'll be interested to see exactly how much we see a sub in our city's hands. Uh, let's get to the Pro-Am Classic. Um, we're not going to preview this like we would with a major, but um, you know, if you're not really sure what the Pro-Am Classic is, 
same. We're kind of this is the first pro am classic that they've done in the CDL, uh, so it's a it's going to be a new experience for us all. But um, all twelve of the CDL teams will be attending. This will be a LAN event. Uh, there will just be no fans um, due to like the size of the venue. Uh, you know, if this was on an, any other weekend, probably in the year, I probably might have went actually and cover this in person but uh this weekend just isn't the right weekend for me uh so this is this is in columbus ohio um so this is the old stomping grounds for mlg and the cw uh, cwl and i believe this is the cdo's first time uh, back in columbus but uh this program classic will be like we said a little bit earlier in the show it's kind of uh a little bit of a tribute to those open events um, where all of the pro teams or the pro league teams or whatever, they would be joined in group play by the top challengers or amateur teams. Um, so the top four challengers teams from the Minnesota Challengers Open, uh, those teams have been placed into one of four groups, uh, which include three CEL teams. So group A is... Uh, Atlanta Phase, Seattle Surge, Toronto Ultra, and Strike X. Group B, Optic Texas, Florida Mutineers, Minnesota Rocker, and Toronto Ultra Academy EU. Group C, London Royal Ravens, LA Thieves, New York Subliners, and Team War. And Group D, Boston Breach, LA Gorillas, Barris Legion, and the Toronto Ultra Academy NA roster. Uh, and so there's 16 teams in group play. The top two from each group advance to a single elimination bracket, which was, um, you know, not received incredibly well by the community. Uh, but you know, those teams, so the, the top team from group A will play the second team from group B group D's top team plays group C's, uh, second team, so on and so forth until we have a champion, uh, of the pro-am classic uh, this will be live streamed on the uh, Call of Duty League YouTube channel, and there will be four streams. So this is the first time that they've done this in the CDL, but there will be a main stream. There will be a Bravo stream, a Charlie stream, and a Delta stream. Uh, all of those uh, matches on Thursday. So this starts on Thursday, May 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that uh, they started on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So Atlanta Phase versus Seattle Surge will be on the mainstream. Optic versus uh, Toronto uh, Ultra Academy EU will be on Bravo. Florida and Minnesota will be on Charlie. And then Strike X versus the Toronto Ultra CDL team will be on Delta. And then we're going to have three matches uh, each on each stream. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like pretty much MIA this weekend. So I'm probably not going to be watching a ton of it. And even if I was trying to watch it, I, my head would be dizzy from 12 matches in a single day happen simultaneously. Um, it's just ridiculous. It's like the NCAA tournament at that point where it's like, there are so many games going on and there are so many channels, like it's kind of hard to really follow anything, but, um, it should be interesting. The people that really love call of duty esports are probably going to just adore this event because this is this is the old days where you had to multi-twitch it you had to you know watch the french broadcasters uh, cast a game and 
and try to figure out like how vitality and mind freak we're doing and in group plays. So um, it should be a really interesting event. Uh, what do you think about the the pro am classic and these teams? Who do you who do you think has the advantage? Because we, we're seeing a lot of role swaps, some roster changes, some substitutes. Like this is really kind of a, a you know a different vibe because we have so many what ifs going into uh, an event that doesn't count toward the season standings. Yeah, I I mean that, that's end of the day. It's 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 not quite to the kickoff classic level, but I mean it's obviously the next closest thing in terms of not counting for the regular season yeah. and being a a mid season event there. So, um, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I I really, um, I'm I'm not gonna put too much weight into, uh, the results of it. It will be interesting to see how some of these amateur teams uh, compete with some of the uh, CDL teams. Like I could see um, some storylines brewing with, you know, let's say, um, well, it turns out Ultra Academy NA is in the same group as Paris Legion. So that could be your uh, Alabama versus Browns comparison we were talking about earlier there. Um, That the Ultra Academy NA has Hixie, Mohawk, Scrappy, and Vickle and, uh, I think it was Scrappy who was the one coming under fire a little bit on Twitter for talking yep. trash and all that. So um, that could be an interesting match. But, um, yeah, end of the day, I, I don't really think it matters too much who wins this, just uh, aside from getting a nice check for first place. Um, I'm just more excited to have a, a bit of a nostalgic event and just take it all in. I'm surprised Scrappy didn't get sensitivity training considering the Ultra's past it seems like that would have been pretty fitting for him. Um, these uh, So these Challengers teams, uh, like you said, Hixie, Mohawk, Scrappy, Vickle uh, for Ultra Academy NA. Uh, team War, uh, they were Millennium 7 when they qualified for this and then War signed them. So that roster is Denza, Maple, Wardy, and Weeman. So some players that we know. Um, Ultra Academy EU, uh, Rafi is, uh, like he's the replacement for Harry, uh, who's been, uh, called up to the London Royal Ravens starting roster. Uh, Rafi will be joined by Vortex, Furious, and Beans and Strike X, uh, which was like the wild card essentially coming into this. People thought that Texas Nation would probably be this fourth, uh, team, uh, you know, going into that, uh, Challengers Open, but it's, uh, Gunsy, Fire, Rambi, and Silly. Um, and I believe that they, like one of the players, uh, like sketched on this team before, right before the challengers open and it caused like, you know, like obviously that's what challengers players do. A lot of times they're, you know, changing rosters every five minutes, but, uh, this roster was like kind of a last minute thing, uh, heading into the Minnesota open and they were able to grab that fourth and final spot and qualify for prom classic. But, uh, yeah, fire, uh, was on Paris Legion, I believe in 2021, uh, silly was part of Minnesota and LAG, uh, former world champion with evil geniuses. Ramby wasn't he on, was he on midnight? Or something like a few years ago. What was uh, at midnight? No, midnight was Llama God, Envoy, Jet Lee, Parzellian, and Brack. I, uh, I know Ramby's name. I couldn't tell you what team he's played for though. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking that. Um, but Ramby, he's been around uh, for a while. Maybe it was Spice Splice Black. I remember. I don't know. Um, but he's been around for a while. And then Gunsy, I'm not you know too familiar with him, but uh, he's. 20 years old so he's he's probably pretty crazy to be honest like 
you know, if you're younger than me and you're one of the top challengers or top pro players, you're probably just absolutely insane. Uh, so uh, it'll be an interesting event. I don't believe that the the prize pool has been announced for this event, um, which is kind of just. I think they said it's a hundred thousand for first place. Okay, so it's unless I unless that's misinformation. I thought I saw that somewhere though. Are you fake news, Bank? I don't think so. I don't hope so. Uh, so you know what? Whatever the prize pool is, maybe it's two hundred fifty grand or whatever. But uh, this is mostly. Like this is a, a bigger deal for the challengers teams for sure than the CDL teams because the CDL teams, like we said, it they don't have you know the standings to worry about if they, you know, get knocked out in group play. It's not the end of the world for them. Um, it's also like, you know, they're a lot of these teams are trying to figure out new roles or new players or having substitutes, um, you know, that they didn't expect like optic. So there's a lot going on for them, but for the challengers players, like this is a huge deal for them. They're these are the only four teams that get a chance to play the CDL teams in an official capacity this year, and they got to make the most of it. They got to make sure that um, they come out firing. And you know, if a team like Team War or something, they get to like the semifinals of this event, that's a really big deal for them. And rightfully so, yep. because a lot of it is like a lot of uh, fans don't really know about uh, most of these players and challengers because those challengers events aren't getting a ton of viewers. They're, um, they're not like incredibly known commodities. So um, a really big deal for all of these challengers teams. And we wish all of these teams the best of luck. It should be a, a fun event. I, I hope that everything goes smoothly uh, with four streams and all of these teams. Uh, I mean, there's a, a lot of room for error, but um, you know, I hope, I hope the best for everybody involved uh, going into the pro-am classic, which kicks off Thursday, May 5th and will go through Sunday so um, check it out on the Call of Duty League YouTube channel. Um, let's talk about Berlin Control. So Berlin Control has been added to the CDL map rotation. So we finally have a third control map in uh, in the rotation. I'm, I'm very thankful. As just a viewer, I'm so tired of the same two maps being played over and over again. Even if Berlin doesn't get played, that often i'm sure there will be at least a few teams that decide to to play on that map so just a third option is great uh, i don't know if you've had a chance to play berlin control um i, I mean it i i just think that is a good thing for us and it it's probably a good thing for these teams with the vetoes and everything just to have a third option even if they're insta banning berlin at least there's an extra map that they have to consider. And it's not as simple as like, all right, we want to play this control map. Like we have the advantage in the vetoes. We will play this control map no matter what. So, um, I mean, that's a, that's a great thing. I don't know if you have anything to add on to that, uh, Berlin stuff. Yeah. I, I haven't played it too much. I, I haven't played it at all actually. Um, but I just remember at the beginning of the year, like teams were scrimming and stuff and there were some issues with the spawns. Um, and I believe that was the main reason why we didn't see it implemented early or at the start of the year. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently those spawns have been fixed in some kind of update, if I'm remembering correctly. So I think that's the reasoning that we're finally getting it in. Um, but yeah, just like you, regardless of what the map is, it's just we needed a third control map to uh, fix the veto system and, you know, just 
add something, even though it's, you know, Berlin, which is already a map for hardpoint and search. Like, it just gives a third option there. So Team A doesn't just get to veto the map and at the same time pick it. Like, they, they can veto now, but then the other team essentially will get to uh, veto the map and then pick uh, which control is played in a best of five series. And it'll... Um, I, I might... <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what they do for best of nine grand finals because before this, there's only 10 maps in the map pool. So that just meant the team from winner's bracket got that one veto um, for a hard point, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, but regardless, like now with 11 maps, like there's going to be two maps not played. So does the team from winner's bracket in a best of nine just get to veto two maps or like, how is that going to work? Uh, that'll be interesting to see too. But uh, yeah, like you said, I'm just happy there's finally a third control map, even if it is, you know, five months into the year. Uh, MW2 has been revealed as the next Call of Duty game. Um, so the official Call of Duty Twitter account tweeted on april 28th the new era of call of duty is coming hashtag modern warfare 2 and then they did like a little teaser uh thing with the mw2 logo um i mean it's not the worst case scenario i guess but not a lot of people uh were i i won't say that not a lot of people were fans of uh like this latest edition of modern warfare because i think a lot of people bought it a lot of people played it and it did spawn warzone which was is like the biggest thing in call of duty in like years and years just like with how many people actually still play that game uh but i mean i i'm not really looking forward to it just because i wasn't a fan of playing mw and i really wasn't a fan of like watching it um in like like comparing it to other competitive games but uh this will be the game right that they play for two years in the competitive cycle if i'm not mistaken like they're not gonna do uh so this will be the 2022 release but they're not doing a 2023 cod release so reportedly, reportedly. so this you know i don't know how the off season would work that i forgot to bring that up when you were talking about um like the two-year cycle and like how the off season will do like i don't know how like when they'll do the off season like are they gonna have the normal off seasons for the the CDL in the same way if they don't have to kind of base it around a yearly uh, Call of Duty release. But um, so this will this will probably come out you know October November of 2022 Modern Warfare 2, and I would expect people to buy it um, like a lot of people because it's got like this like vanguard was kind of a step in like outside the box just because it wasn't tied to any of the the series like black ops or modern warfare whereas this has like the name value that people remember when they were like 12 13 years old so there's there's kind of that so um i'm not really sure if it'll have success but i really hope so considering players are probably going to have to play it for quite a bit yeah i mean there's not much we really know outside yeah. of the logo right now. So this is something we'll be talking about in the months and shows to come. Um, but yeah, like you said, regardless of what actually ends up happening, this is just a big year um, for Call of Duty in general with Modern Warfare 2 just due to um, 
the the reception around Vanguard and everything like that. It's, it's Activision's gonna have to uh, look to bounce back and have a strong year with MWT, and hopefully that's reflected in the game and we get something that I mean, people are always gonna find something to complain about, but hopefully it's a it's a game that's more well liked than Vanguard and other recent titles in the series. Uh, we also have the third and fourth majors for the CDO. Uh, the dates for those have been confirmed. Uh, so the New York Subliners and the Boston Breach will be, uh, you know, teaming up for the fourth CDL major and uh, the corresponding Challengers event. Uh, so the Challengers tournament will be held in Boston from July 8th to the 10th, while the uh, the fourth the fourth and final CDL major will be held in New York July 14th through the 17th. Uh, this was a week earlier than. Uh, it previously announced when the the season schedule was announced i believe in january or february um the the new york subliners uh major was scheduled for july 21st to the 24th so it looks like they moved up uh that that major um the online qualifiers will likely be moved up at least a week maybe two or maybe three uh because there is almost a month a long break between major three and the beginning of the qualifying matches for major four. So I don't think we really need that. You know, we have a big break between major two and major three. I don't think we need another big break between three and four. Um, and also the Toronto ultra who are hosting the third major of the season. They officially announced um, the dates and the venue and even put their tickets on sale for the major, uh, it'll be held at the Madame Athletic Center in Toronto uh, from June fifth, uh, June second to the fifth. Excuse me. Um, so uh, should be interesting. Um, make sure you get vaccinated because you can't really get into Canada otherwise. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you're. You said you're going to go to the try to go to the New York uh, land event, right? Well, I'm in a situation now where I wasn't going to be able to go because that it was supposed to be the week where I was in the Dominican for uh, my best friend's wedding. So now I have to decide if it's worth going to the New York event, potentially, you know, exposing myself and not being uh, able to travel to my friend's wedding. So, I, I mean, if I do go, I'd be super safe, you know, mask up and all that. But um, we'll see. I, yep. I mean, not a long drive for me either way if I do end up going or not, but I might play it safe and set this one out as much as it would pain me because I've been waiting for there to be a CDL or CWL event in uh, New York since since I've covered God. Yeah, it's been a – I'm kind of surprised that they haven't done one um, like in recent times in New York because it's obviously like the biggest American city and, you know, so many people are there. Uh, I believe even like MLG, like MLG was in Columbus, but they were also headquartered in, in New York. So it kind of felt like that was, it would fit or something, but it just never worked out. Um, and I'm glad that we're going to get a LAN event and I'm, I'm glad that we're getting teams teaming up for these things. And we have Boston being like, all right, we'll, we'll host this challengers tournament. Well, and I like that it's on a different weekend. So you could, you, you realistically watch the challengers tournament the weekend before, and then watch the CDL uh, tournament the following weekend. Whereas when they're, you know, on top of each other happen simultaneously, how many people are really just tuning into the challengers event over the 
the the CDL event, like not very many, just a few thousand. Maybe this will add uh, a few a few more viewers to uh, the challenger event, which is always um, always a great thing. Um, I don't think we have anything else uh, to talk about. Just throw in real quick that trophy systems were finally added to Vanguard oh, yep. seven months after uh, the game came out, but it does seem like they're potentially being GA'd, so it might not matter too much for competitive play. Um, it's just, you know, it, we've, it's been an ongoing thing in the community since Vanguard came out that there weren't trophies and now they are being added, but the pros are like it would change the game too much to have them, so don't really know what'll happen there, but I guess that's something to keep an eye on this weekend to see if any teams actually pull that one out or not. Yeah, I figured it would be GA just because. Yeah. I mean, that's how. Uh, that's what I mean, it seems it's, like. It's like five, five, six months into the game, and like players aren't really they don't like change, and uh, this is a pretty big change to how the strategy would work with grenades and everything. So it's not a huge surprise that it's GA. I hope that we can figure something out where they're actually not GA at some point, but we'll see. Um, not really optimistic about that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think that's about it. Uh, so going into this event, I don't know. Are we doing predictions for this event? No. All right. Just... So, uh, just, just for, um, just for clarity, uh, you are a game ahead or a match ahead, I guess, in predictions, uh, 54 and 42, I'm 53 and 43. Um, we're doing pretty good. Uh, I think that's probably 55 60% win percentage which is uh, it's probably 55 um but pretty good uh i believe we'll be back for next week's show because uh stage 3 or qualifying matches for major 3 will begin next week later next week so we'll be back then to to break down those matches talk a little bit about the pro am classic maybe what we learned maybe we saw Paris Legion walk away with another championship and uh, some $100,000 grand prize or whatever. So that would be nice. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, make sure to subscribe, like the podcast, follow the podcast feed. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, et cetera. We're on a lot of uh, platforms. Make sure you give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you are listening or watching on. We're on YouTube as well. Um, I'm actually making thumbnails for videos now, so maybe tune into the YouTube videos. Uh, subscribe to the channel and like the videos. Uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at jbank with two Ks. I'm at Prez Buyers, and the podcast Twitter is at EgoChat Podcast. Um, again, next show is probably going to be on Tuesday, May 10th. Uh, we're we're maybe uh, you know we'll see uh, exactly what day we'll do it, but uh, you know pencil you know just lightly pencil it in so you don't have to erase too much uh, for Tuesday, May 10th. Um, and you can watch the live version at twitch.tv slash ego child podcast. Uh, we, we stream those, uh, the podcast live, uh, every week when we do them. So, uh, you can watch it live or catch it, uh, on the uh, podcast feed or on YouTube afterward. Um, but that does it for me. Take it away, Bing. Yep. Thank you guys as always for tuning in. It was good to be back after a uh, short little break. Um, but now assuming you know things play out as we expect the rest of the season uh you can probably expect regular shows from us uh once again moving forward throughout the second half of the 2022 season so uh that's it for us hope you guys enjoy the program classic uh this weekend for those of you tuning in and for those who tuned in here again just thank you and always remember to send the chow